Success stories and interviews with game changers and thought leaders who have overcome both in life and in business. Welcome to Vertical Momentum. Welcome back to Vertical Momentum Resiliency Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Kaufman, also known as the Comeback Coach. Guys, if you have ever felt alone, depressed, scared, this podcast is for you. Definitely listen to this because Jennifer is going to be dropping some serious knowledge bombs. But first, I got to thank our sponsors. As you guys know, our sponsors on this show are 100% veteran, 100% of the time. If you guys love coffee like I do, Soldier Girl Coffee is an amazing coffee. Um, high energy, but she also has a coffee blend that has CBD in it. So if you need to chill out a little bit, definitely check out Soldier Girl Coffee. Carrie Marie Beavers is changing the game, and her company hires nothing but veterans. So thank you, Soldier Girl Coffee. Jennifer, what's going on? Hey, hey. Thanks for having me here. I've been looking forward to this. I'm so excited. So uh, I got to say, first of all, um, I've binge read your book, Calm, three times now. Nuh-uh. Yep. And just because uh, that's whenever I know somebody's coming on, I, I got to prepare myself and I got to know what I'm talking about. So the book was uh, a game changer uh, mentally, especially for people that have gone through what we have gone through. But I will talk about that later. So give us a quick down and dirty about you, where you're from, where you grew up and what kind of little girl was Jennifer. All right. Roger that. Well, it's dirty. I'll, I'll keep it clean a little bit. No, I, no, I, um, as you know, we keep it real. So whatever you want, to talk about, <laughs> that's what we'll talk about. Originally born in Idaho. I didn't spend much time in Idaho. I was raised in a small town in Illinois, central Illinois. I, my hometown is Lincoln, Illinois, and I, was raised by a single mother, my brother, myself and her. Um, we did life together and we struggled together and we grew together. And from there, I went on to join the Army National Guard when I was 17. And uh, after a deployment, I went to college to become a teacher and kind of continued on with my plan, with the plan, like I wrote in the book you read. You know, I just stuck with the plan. I never gave my time self any time to think or veer away from the plan. So two master's degrees later, 12 years later, here I am, just resigned from teaching. And I have decided to venture off on this passion. I am married to a combat veteran who I met on the deployment in 2004. And then we have three children together. One bonus son of mine who taught me how to be a parent first before I then had two daughters. So that's me in a nutshell. All right, guys, we got to go. It was great. (laughs) Uh, We're going to first hop back. So, uh, what kind of kid were you in school? Were you uh, a, a smart, you know, were you uh, an athlete? Were you a reader? Were you, you know, what kind of kid were you in school? Um, I, I, f- I think that I was kind of all over the place. And I, I, I definitely, um, although I had my group of friends, I, I liked to venture, I, I was friends with everyone. And so for myself, I was, I was a cheerleader. 
Um, I also did band and chorus and junior high. I like to read, but I really didn't do a whole lot of it. Um, I, I, I had to work hard in school. Things didn't come easy to me. So luckily I was self-motivated and my mom didn't really have to stay out because that wasn't a priority, you know, coming from a poverty stricken home, you know, like she's trying to put food on the table, not look at, make sure I have my homework done. But so luckily I was self-motivated. And so I had to work for it. You know, I had to work for those A's and B's, but, um, fortunately I didn't have to have anyone get on my back about it. And whenever I did like, uh, need squared away, like in junior high, when I thought, you know, maybe I was just a little funny, I definitely got checked real fast when I, uh, didn't make the cheerleading team when I was in the eighth grade. You know, I was just talking to a friend about this the other night. That was such a turning point for me. You know, it sounds funny, like, oh, big deal. You didn't make the cheerleading team in eighth grade. But it was life, like, it was devastating to me. And when I went to school on Monday asking, like, after I cried all weekend, like, why in the world? What happened? What happened? And they said to me, well, it was your teacher's evaluations. And I was like, it, that that was such a life lesson for me there. And it was just because, you know, I was starting to get a little mouthy um, and try to find attention in the wrong ways. Just super shocking. Now, was that because you weren't getting the attention at home? You know, um, I potentially, and um, there was this instance where like I choked on a pop tart at school and I definitely didn't like the response on what happened, so kind of made a big deal about it. Okay, so now, you know, what made you drawn to the military? And talk, talk to us about your recruiting story. I was always interested in the military because I my brother is a was a Marine, is a Marine. Um, my mother was in the National Guard. My birth father was also in, a lot of my family was in, and so I admired that, I looked up to that, and then once I really seen it firsthand with my brother going to basic training for a Marine, I was seriously interested, and then once I found out that I would be able to do the part, part-time soldier and go ahead and join in high school and get some money uh, and funding for school, then that was when I was like, okay, sign me up. That That's what we're going to do. So now I've had many female veterans on here. Um, Annette Wittenberg. Uh, yes. Tammy Moses. Uh, Tammy, Tammy Girl. I've, you know, I've had a lot of females and I love getting the female perspective. So what was it? I mean, I mean, obviously you don't know the other, the male perspective, obviously, but what was it like, you know, going through basic training, knowing that you might've had a little bit of mouth on you. For me, I knew I was a wise ass from Jersey. So I knew I got, I got ran into the ground because of my mouth. What was your basic training experience like? <laughs> I feel like I sat in the push up position and I, it all, I also was put uh, battle buddies with a girl who from 
day one, hour one with the drill sergeants, just thought everything they said was hilarious. And so, of course, I got put with her. And but it was a good combination. Um, together, we were in the push, push up position most of the time. But at the same time, our drill sergeants, uh, they were good people. And so I feel like as they smoked the crap out of us and sometimes um you know they were frustrated with us other times they just really wanted to break us down and wipe that little shitty grin off our face and it worked (laughs) now what what um job did you take in the military 88 mike a truck driver okay so um i'm sure you and unfortunately when did you go through basic training uh, 2001, actually right before the Twin Towers were hit. So the summer before my senior year, uh, I went. Now, did you, um, catch a lot of feedback? Was there, um, a lot of, you know, men making comments, making advances, stuff like that? Yeah, there was some, cr- there was some stuff, some cr- creepy stuff that I had to deal with, which really just kind of stemmed from the beginning when you go to reception and they don't have the drill sergeants there, like a bunch of pit bulls watching you. So they're at reception where you're getting all of your shots and stuff. That was the time for um, those wandering eyes to come your way. And, and by this point, you know, I no longer, um, I was, I was scared. (laughs) So as like people are slipping me notes, I'm panicking. Like, I didn't ask for this. Like, don't, don't write me a note. Don't get me in trouble. And, uh, and then I luckily made a beeline away from those interactions, but I should have burnt those stinking notes because I didn't for whatever reason. And, um, a week later, like when they were doing a a locker shake, a drill sergeant found them in my locker and holy cow, like, and again, another lesson learned, because here I did not um, continue, like, I did not write the, I, I had wrote that guy back and was like, do not write me, I don't want to be in trouble, blah, blah, blah. But as far as at basic training, not so much. Uh, you know, you definitely get, um, people have expectations, you know, when you're walking around with a vagina, they have expectations that you're not going to be as... Um, up there with the males. And so you have to deal with that. And, uh, I, I can roll with that. You know, I, it's fine. You can go ahead and have preconceived notions about me because of whatever I got carrying around over here, but I'm going to go ahead and come full force full at you and show you who I am, whether it's, uh, you know, some measly chump girl like you expected or someone that's going to surprise you. So, you know, there's a lot of people that are going to be listening to this. They don't realize because I my first part of my military was active duty. The second part was active duty and National Guard. And a lot of people don't realize how hard it is to be a citizen soldier. Yeah. Break it down, Barney style real quick for us. What it's really like to be a citizen soldier. I mean, your, your life, you live in transition back and forth, back and forth. Like it's so hard to figure out. Um, okay, who am I supposed to be today? You know, because you have these warrior reflexes. You're trained. You're trained as a soldier for a reason to be able to be in that environment and do the things that you need to do. And so then suddenly you get 
thrown into back into a civilian life and then you got those warrior reflexes and you're responding in a certain way and then you're just kind of a mess it's transition all the time and it's really hard to ease your way i think the hardest part is easing your way back into a civilian life and then and having to identify um certain things about that and not get uh let let not let it get the best of you not let the transition get the best of you but learn to grow through it and that's hard all right so now you know they say the best ted talks are between 15 and 18 minutes so i'm gonna you're gonna have a rick talk so i want you to break us down about your story in the military about what went on and what your experiences was like. And I'm going to give you the floor. You tell us everything you want to tell us, get as deep as you want to tell us, and then I'll answer some questions when you're done. Okay. Well, like I said, I joined when, right before my senior year. But uh, as I went into college the following year, I was mobilized and we packed our stuff and we didn't go. And then I was mobilized again, like nine months later, um, on veterans day. And I deployed to Baghdad, Iraq with a transportation company, 1544th out of Paris, Illinois. And I had no idea how much that that year would change my life. I'm here talking right now because that year changed my life so much. So we, we head off on this deployment, you know, 160 of us approximately, I believe the number is 60% of us were in our like twenties and thirties. That's just, we were super young and fragile. Some people had been to, um, Korea or Desert Storm, but other than that, we were pretty fresh. And in that year, we lost five soldiers, KIA, and three of them were to roadside. Two of them were to roadside. Okay, let me get this straight. Three were from mortar attacks, two were from roadside bombs. Two of them were from my platoon. And so in a, in a unit of 160 people, your platoon is about 30 people. Two of them were in my platoon. One of them was one of my homegirls, Jessica Covey. She was the same age as me at the time. So she was 21 and she had a six-year-old daughter at that time. And she was in the truck with my now husband. He wasn't my husband at the time. We started... I started running my sweet game on him at the beginning of the deployment in December and uh, that, you know, uh, October, October 6th is his alive day. October 6th is coffee day, the day that we celebrate her life and my husband's alive day. But on that day, they were hit by a roadside bomb. She was killed instantly and the truck flipped and landed on top of my husband, Ryan. And uh, he got trapped under there and all of the pressure from the truck sat on his face. Nothing else on his, like, he had no scratches on his, I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but nothing else was wrong with him anywhere. It would all just landed on his face, knocked all his teeth out, crushed his entire upper jaw, his nose, 
all of that, all the pressure of the five ton truck, plus the weight of the gun box on the back of the truck sat on his face. And I remember hearing from someone telling me, um, as they were preparing me to go in and kind of giving me a load, preparing me to go into the Baghdad hospital to go see him the next day and giving me a lowdown, they were describing to me that basically his weapon that stayed mounted on the back of the truck, which stayed, for anyone who doesn't know what I'm talking about, like the weapon didn't bust off, the huge 50 cal weapon didn't bust off. It stayed mounted. And for that reason, he is alive because it kept him from basically getting decapitated. It kept the rest of the weight from coming down on him because that weapon had stayed mounted. And so as we went through all of this struggling with like my PTSD, his PTSD, he got sent home. I couldn't relate to him and but he's getting tossed around at the VA, getting attempted to get rebuilt. And so life goes on. We break up, get back together, break up, just a hot mess. And he ends up sending me a text one day saying, I'm going to be a dad. And then I was just like, okay, it's, I mean, clearly it's over now. And so life goes on five years later. Um, we decide to go on a date at, you know, and he, um, had a child, he had a five, five-year-old child. And, uh, from there we had just really became different people. We had grown separately, experienced life and the struggle and the transition and grown from our PTSD and, and, you know, I recently you, well, I'll come back to that, but so life goes on. Now we are married and together we, um, we deal with our post-traumatic growth. And I know I recently heard you mention that on the show and you had said you were shocked. You hadn't heard this term. And then suddenly like three people had mentioned it recently. And I'll tell you what, last summer I read struggle well, Thriving in the Aftermath of Trauma by Ken Falk and Josh Goldberg. Amazing book for anyone that has dealt with trauma or anyone that works with people from trauma. That was a fantastic book. And in there, they talk about the process of post-traumatic growth. And it hit me like a train. And I was like, oh my gosh, like why don't, why have I not heard about this? This is so real right here, like to go from a combat zone and transition or any military uh, service and then transition into either civilian world or just continuing on your, your active duty service. Those transitions are hard and that war at home, I feel like can sometimes be even harder than the time in service. And so to look at it as in identifying what you're struggling with, what you need, you know, some help resources, some self-reflection, personal develop, whatever it is that you need, identifying those things right there, that's post-traumatic growth. You know, not just sitting in it, wallowing in it and self-medicating and, and then, not acknowledging it. Like that's, you know, that's, those are the symptoms of PTSD withdrawn and all that. But the minute that you start 
working on it, even identifying it, that is post-traumatic growth. And I think that that is something that I'm going to work hard to make sure I educate other people about so that together we can grow together. And, and you know, that's one them. thing that I, uh, you know, I always say, and I'm sure you heard me talk about it multiple times, you know, when an adult acts out, it's usually because of trauma that happened between the ages of three and 13. And then sometimes you add alcohol to the mix. Then you add war to the mix. Uh-huh. And it becomes a perfect storm. And nobody tell, can tell you how to get out of a perfect storm unless they've been in it. And I think people like yourself, you know, your, your husband, me, if we've been it and been there, we can reach our hand down, help pull you out and help take the arrows for you until you're ready to stand on your own. So what was it like you struggling with your own PTS and your husband struggling with his? Did you, cause I know, you know, sometimes we can't, like you said in the Bible, you know, we, we can see all the other person's faults, but we can't, you know, see the, uh, the faults in our own life. So what was that like? Both of you struggling with PTSD at the same time. That's a good question. Cause I, you know, I haven't even looking back on it and I, if he was to look back on it too, we'd have to be honest with ourselves and look at it. And it was almost like, um, a one up in game like because he had been blown up hit by a roadside bomb and was still being strung around by the VA and like all this stuff anytime that there was any mention of me myself my feelings my the things I was going through it was always well I got blown up you know, like nobody, nobody cares about me over here. And that's just, that's just what it was. Um, it was just, well, you're never, your, your stuff is not as bad as mine. Cause I got blown up. And then for me, like I, at the time I had no idea just how horrible those years were of being strung around after being hit by a roadside bomb after our 21 year old homie dying and hit and then me not understanding that Ryan had so much guilt like why me I'm not a father why why her and then on top of that getting just thrown around by the VA I had no idea I wasn't in his position I wasn't in his storm and so I could not even relay and and then it you know it's not until now like 17 years later that through my growth through our conversations which have changed significantly i can understand that i had no idea what it was like to be in his storm and he had no idea what it was like to be in my storm and now we're in completely different places to where there is no it there's no measurement on it you know and no one up in game it's I'm here for you like you know you might be getting all upset and 
like me, you know, like I had a like mini meltdown a couple of weeks ago, just having a rough week and letting fear creep into my bones and like looked him in the face and shed a few tears. And I was just like, I'm just scared. Like the fear is just creeping in. And, you know, all he has to do is like, it's okay. It's going to be okay. You know, like that's totally different than, you know, him getting upset because it's, time to make an appointment and deal with this claim that we're filing for refiling for him you know like it's not measured on any sort of scale anymore it's just together we'll we'll help each other together all right so now you know somebody asked me because i I knew they knew i was going to be talking to you today and um and my own story is you know i was helping a soldier a friend of mine, his father, we served, me and his father served together and his son joined the military and his father asked me to take care of him. So I did take him on my tank and eventually, you know, I got out of the military and he was dealing with a lot of depression and and, um, stuff, PTS. And he eventually took his own life and it really, really affected me. Um, So talk to us about, um, cause we never get over survivor's guilt. So talk to us about how to, how you dealt personally and your husband personally dealt with survivor's guilt. Well, I think that there was many years of self-destruction and destructive coping mechanisms with drinking and spending, uh, he and I, can definitely both have that destructive coping mechanism at times. Like he was just buying out big lots. It seemed like, um, but now like uh, over the last 17 years, uh, is definitely been conversations. Fortunately, there are some of us that have stayed in touch from my unit and, it's those conversations, opening up together, crying together, being pissed off at the guilt together that has helped us. And just, and that's really all it is like speaking it out loud and having some sort of support. And then from there, you just kind of, you process it out loud. You ask yourself those questions, you face it onward and And now here, 17 years later, the daughter of my friend, Jessica Covey, you know, at the time she was six years old and, um, and I'm just going to put it out there because I know that, uh, her family would be okay with it. And my friend, Jessica Covey would be okay with it. Her daughter was a a product of rape. And so she didn't have like another, another parent and so at six years old and her mom dies over these last 17 years that has been really hard like we came back from the combat zone and all of us girls grieving that loss together feeling so much guilt you know like different different guilt from all around one girl feeling guilt because she knows Kavi went on that 
mission because she wanted to be with her. People feeling guilt because Kavi had a dentist appointment the next day. She wasn't supposed to be on the mission, but they let her go anyways because they know she wanted to be there for her friend. Like so much guilt coming from all these different directions. And then to come home and even get that guilt from people that weren't there with us, you know, like saying things to us as, as her daughter struggled, as her daughter struggled and became a teenager and started making some pretty lame choices, uh, you know, questions came our way to us girls, like, why weren't you there for her? Like, why weren't you there for her? You could have been there for her. Maybe this wouldn't be happening. Like, referring to Jessica's daughter. And that was just, like, what? What? Like, we're all over here dealing with our own stuff that is still a work in progress. Like, now we're taking on the guilt of her daughter and the things her daughter's going through. And then her daughter has grown, has gone through her own struggles and has now become a mother herself. And has just, and that has been a game changer for her. She went from kind of living a, a, a destructive, you know, lots of lame choices. And then she became a mother and that has changed her world. And so, and, and then we've been able to, because that's kind of changed her, then she's made it more of a priority to want to have these relationships with us, these friendships with us. And so that we can talk to her more and get to know her more, who she is now at like 22 and hold my battle buddy's baby in my arms is so surreal. And to see just how amazing of a mother, like how much this young lady thrives. Jessica's daughter thrives on being a mother, even though she can hardly remember any memories of her mom. It's just, it's surreal to see the grief that we've all been through and felt 17 years later. You're looking into the eyes of your battle buddy's daughter and that grief isn't as fierce, as strong. Like you're able to acknowledge like that things have happened for a reason and here we are holding your her grandbaby so what is life like today what is your day like you know because we always talk about you know the horror the horrors you know we talk about um you know the bad stuff that happens but there's always and especially since we've, you know, we've had an opportunity to talk a couple of times, post-traumatic growth. So what is your life like now? What is Ryan's life like now? Give us some, uh, ex- some of your experience and your strength and your hope. Well, uh, so I definitely, I've done a lot of personal development. And so I've identified, you know, um, the things that I need to work on. And so I make sure to start my day with, with a devotion and just positive thoughts and energy going into my mind, um, trying to work on a little bit more mindfulness. As far as Ryan and I, one of the, you know, things, it's interesting to see how different things are now as opposed to 17 years ago. So, Like my husband, he has a, 
big problem of yelling, yelling. To him, he doesn't think it's yelling. He thinks he just talks loud. But everything is so loud and abrasive. And and he likes to poke. He likes to just push people's buttons. So I have helped him to identify that. And by help him, like, you know, we're up at the VA and I'm like, Doc, you better get him under control. I'm about to knock him out. And so, like, we have those kind and then and then he's, you know, mad at me and he thinks I'm just pointing fingers at him. But then he thinks about it, you know, together we we have these lame, uncomfortable conversations. Like he just says to me, like, I feel like you're just making it look like you're pointing fingers at me. And I'm like, okay, I have to listen to this. I have to take this back and understand how he's feeling. And so that's really helped us to grow. And so now I can just, you know, when I see him like trying to poke at the kids and like make kids cry, you know, just saying something as stupid as, oh no, the internet's out, no TV, you know, just whatever. He'll make up lies just to like get people worked up. And I'm over here, like just giving him nonverbal body language, like tone it down a notch. You're doing it. Like, and he's able to like identify through, through my hand signals or whatever. Like, oh yeah, you're right. Like this is one of those moments where I'm poking at them. And so, but then he also does it for me too. You know, if I, am acting a little crazy all over the place. He's able to be like, you okay? You, you okay? <laughs> and so um, we help each other out. We're each other's wingman. I love it. So now what has been the response from your book? What have people come back to you and said? Holy cow. I feel like that has been the best part of this journey. Like the book is doing exactly what I wanted it to do, which is so amazing. Just so surreal. When I decided a year and a half ago after having a really lame head injury and then quarantine and then finding myself self-medicating and, and just getting into a dark place. And then finally, like, I got to do something about this. I, I, I need to set some goals and I set the goal to get back to writing this book that I started 17 years ago. And so over the past year, all that soul searching, those connections, those conversations have been my favorite part. And now that the book is out there and now the feedback's coming in from complete strangers, sending me emails, telling me how much it helped them and that they're going to pass it on to a young lady who was just a victim of rape last year and was held against her will for a week. Like, and, or, or I had someone email me and tell me, they live in New York and they had someone working on their yard. And when they started the uh, talking to him, her and her husband, they got to know the guy working on the yard. He said he was a veteran and they enjoyed the conversation with him, but they could tell that he was wounded. He, they could tell there was invisible wounds there and he seemed a little, um, uh, sensitive. I don't think that's the word I'm looking for. He seemed broken. And 
she went inside the house she got my book she brought it out to him and she said here i would like for you to have this i think it might help you and he looked at her and he said thank you but i i just got done reading that book and that rocked my socks off this is like a month after my book was published it was published july 1st so those things have been my favorite part those conversations like i've done a, a multiple book signings and to have somebody come up and pour their heart out to me and let me know like that their nephew took their life this last january and just to talk to me about that or a woman that cries in my arms letting me know that her husband just died of agent orange and that she didn't get to be with him in those last days because of covid and you know not being allowed in there like that has been like i just get teary-eyed thinking of it because there is that people say you know i just I, you're so brave i can't believe like you you walked away from teaching like it took a lot of soul searching it took a lot of work you know i of course those thoughts come across my mind like oh in 30 some years i won't have that pension or you know i did get two master's degrees for this like of course that fear freak creeps in but this was a decision that i have taken a lot of time to think about that seven years ago as stuff was hitting the fan again with the va and i thought this should not be happening to my husband and it shouldn't be happening to any other veterans and i want to help veterans and so it's been in the making for seven years and it's just after a whole lot of soul searching in the last year and then finally me just knowing knowing that god was calling me me jennifer hobbs calling me to go help in a different way and and i finally i just knew it and i trusted him and i did it and then as these conversations start coming in and i'm just amazing connections it's then that i hear god being like i told you thank you thank you for being obedient and here this is i'm showing you that you did the right thing and that's been really surreal rich because that's been insane because all my life like i've been a spiritual person and found my way to the church as a young girl but never in my life have i felt like God like was speaking to me, telling me to like do something. I I've never I never really had that, um, not so much. And so to have that at thirty seven years old, and to put my faith in Him, and to to step away, to to follow what I feel like He's calling me to do, like that's been pretty life changing and empowering. And I can only hope to help people as I feel like I, I know I'm going to. I know I'm going to because God wants me to. He's going to show me how I can help. And so these people that are reaching out to me and letting me know how my book has helped them, like that is why I got uncomfortable writing that book. That is why I showed the good, the bad, and the ugly of me in that book. And that's why I'll continue to spread my voice. Um, 
So now how do we, okay, last two questions. How do we find you? Um, how do we find your book and how can we support your mission? Well, my book is on Amazon. It's on barnesandnoble.com, Target. Pretty much just Google calmed growth after trauma and it will come up. And um, I, okay, and then to find me, I am on Instagram. Facebook is author Jennifer Hobbs. I'm going to take your advice and start tapping into my LinkedIn more. Um, I'm definitely on there and I'm present, but I haven't utilized it as much. I sent you a request today, so. Okay. I'm definitely going to start making that part of my tapping into social media daily. I am on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel. However, I'm kind of going to be stepping away from that. well, in a different sense, because I'm starting my own podcast. And so the way that people can help support me, in addition to reading my book and finding someone that you could share it with, um, I'm going to start my own podcast. And it's going to be called Celebrate the Struggle. And I hope to launch it in December. I'm going to be using that platform to use my voice to help other people, but also share other people's voices and their missions. And, um, that's what I am so excited to be launching in December, but I'm, I got some other things going on. I'm work. I get to my publishing team, burning soul press is bringing me on to lead a veteran writing group, a soul writers journey writing group. And this is the same group that helped me to get inspired, motivated, have that support and write my book in this last year. And I get to be the one to lead the veteran writing group. So I'm going to be sharing information about that on my Facebook and my Instagram. And um, I just launched my first five-week program program wellness program based on a framework I built to help reach the friends and family of veterans to help support them. And so I'm over here juggling some different things, juggling it with enjoyment, but um, just really trying to figure out how best I can help veterans. And I'm really, so got some speaking engagements, but I'm really looking forward to launching that podcast so that I can continue to share my voice and if I can share other people's, if I can help you in any way, you know, you got, I got, you got me. I'll help out with any way possible. I have a lot of great guests. Um, if you ever need any guests, um, especially Navy SEALs and stuff like that. So if you need any, anything that I can help you with, you know, I'm going to help you out because I'm all about paying. Yes. It. All about paying it forward. Yes. Thank you. I will definitely be hitting you up. I already had some questions that I'm going to be emailing you about anchor but i appreciate it and you know that reminds me like i because i want to be on that same mission to help other people and it brings me back to that book i told you i read last summer uh struggle well it talks about in that book that the pinnacle of success is not when you've made it to the top of the mountain you're making you know six figures nine figures whatever the pinnacle of success is when you turn around Go back down that mountain and help other people up it. And that's exactly what I want to be. I just want to be someone going up and down the mountain. Okay. Helping other people. 
last question I have, you know, we still live in a crazy world. We live in a COVID world. Um, in New Jersey, we're going back on lockdown, I feel. Um, mm-hmm. So we have a lot of parents that are driving for Uber, Lyft, just trying to put food in their kids' mouths. So they're very busy. So if I ask the average American to do something in seven days, they're never going to get to it. But if I ask somebody that's listening to us to take an actionable step in the next 24 hours, they're more likely to do it. So if there's somebody struggling out there right now with their mental health What is something they can do to start to get some help? I think really focus, like take some time to talk to yourself, to reflect, give yourself that time. Life is so busy. There's so much going on and you probably overlook you, your self, your needs and, and, we need you. You you need you to be able to do all that. So take some time. Take some time to yourself, whether it's a hot bath, a walk, or just snuggling with your dog. And just really take some time to think about, first of all, gratitude. What What is it that you are grateful for in that moment? And then go into what is it that you feel like is out of your control, kind of consuming you, identify a priority or three. And then from there, baby steps, chip away at it like an iceberg. But first, give yourself a moment. I love it. Guys, definitely check out the book Calm. Calmed. I've actually read it three times and I, I it's a truly one of my one of my favorite books. Um, so I just want to say thank you for that. Thank you, Soldier Girl Coffee, for keeping this show on the air. If it wasn't for you guys, we wouldn't be able to save as many lives as we are. So definitely check out Soldier Girl Coffee if you love coffee. By the way, uh, I've never mentioned this on the show, but we are coming out with a vertical momentum coffee. Ooh. It's going to be high energy coffee. It's not your mama's coffee. It's going to be that high energy <laughs> crack stuff that we used to drink in the military yeah so guys i just want to say thank you jennifer thank you for hopping on um i appreciate everything you're doing you're really making a big difference in this world so i just want to say thank you thank you i think you're making a big difference i feel like i have you know um like i'm getting another master's degree every time i tap into yours i love it all right well have an amazing week and crush it this week you too all right, guys. Remember, leave a leave a comment. You know, leave a review. That's that's the way you guys can pay us for what we do. And remember, vertical momentum. The only way to go is but up. All right, guys. Love you. Have a great week. Hey, guys. If you're enjoying our show, if you love what we're doing, if you would like to support us, we have a whole bunch of great stuff coming out. We have a brand new t-shirt line that's coming out. Hats, coffee mugs, any kind of swag that lets your friends know that you support Vertical Momentum and you're always looking to get better. Also, we have our new coffee brand coming out. It's called Vertical Momentum Coffee. It's ass-kicking coffee. And and it it will get you moving in the morning. So, guys, if you're interested, go to www.richardkaufman.net. Check us out. Leave us a note. Tell us what you'd like, and we'll actually send it to you. The new website is being built. So, if you guys want to, 
Our book is out there on Amazon. It's called A Hero's Journey from Darkness to Light. Definitely check it out. It talks about my story, but it also talks about how to survive depression, how to survive addiction. All right, guys, I love you. Thank you so much for always supporting our mission, which is to save lives. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.